0: John chapter 5, beginning with verse 41 through 47, reads as follows, I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe my words. This whole book of chapter five concludes here with uh, Jesus really addressing the Jews. Whenever you see that expression the Jews, what you really need to think about and remember is that he's talking about the Jewish leaders, those that were a part of the Jewish leadership at that time. This is who Jesus really is addressing. And he had down through the chapter five, he had talked about when he had healed on the at the pool of Bethesda and they inquired of what by what authority did he do these things, and really the whole purpose of the book of John is that John chapter 20, verse 31 says that John wrote this book that we might know that Jesus is the Son of God. That is crucial. That is the most important thing that we've got to have in our minds is that Jesus is the Son of God, for out of that flows everything else that we believe and practice. If we don't have that one fundamental fact down pat, they are really missing the whole rest of what the gospel and the whole rest of what it means to be in Christ is all about, that Jesus is actually the Son of God. What did he do? He called up some witnesses. He said, I'm going to present, as in a court case, I'm going to present to you the case of who I am. Number one, he brought up John the Baptist. He talks about who John was and what John's ministry was. John was the forerunner of Christ and all that, and you know all that. And he says, so even though you had John, yet you still did not believe. In fact, at the end of John's, John's life, John the Baptist's life, uh, he was left all alone by himself to suffer a cruel death. The other thing he talked about was his miracles. The fact of what he did spoke to who Christ really was. He healed the lame. He gave sight to the blind. He, he was able to heal those that have various diseases. Uh, ultimately, he fed 5,000 people, and then ultimately, he also raised people from the dead. Those things that he did spoke about who he really was. Nobody could do these things except God be with him. And what Jesus was trying to get them to see is even though you had John the Baptist, even though you see the miracles that I'm doing, understand this, that everything that I ever did was because of what the Father has allowed me to do. I in him, he in me. I do nothing of my own authority. I do nothing for my own sake. I do it because it is the will of my father. He has given to me power and authority to do these things. And then last but not least, he talks about the other witnesses, the very scriptures for which they understood to be, which is our Old Testament, that spoke of who he was. So, and within that was you had the father's testimony, but now he's getting to the point here, the final part of this chapter is, let me raise up a man by which you would really know. That man, and we talked a little bit about him in Sunday school, that man by the name of Moses, which is the chief prophet of all prophets for the Israelite nation of Israel and the Jewish people, they revered who Moses was. Amen? And so they said to themselves, if Moses said it, it's got to be true. But Jesus is going to indict them on the very words that they said. What does he say here? He says, let me let me explain something to you he says, I do not receive glory from people. But he says, I know that you do not love do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in my name, you will receive him. That's pretty indicting. That's some pretty indicting words that the first thing that he tells them is, listen, you, I do not receive glory from people. God is not so much interested in our verbal testimony as he is in what the scriptures say who he is. He says, let me, let me, let me tell you something. You pay a lot of attention. He's talking to the religiously. You pay a lot of attention to people giving you accolades people talking well of you are really concerned about what people think to the point that you really miss what being in Christ is really about and who I am you miss the whole point you're worried about the acceptance of people and they were they did all this pomp and circumstance a lot of it was for show or for fashion And I thought to myself, how many times in our own life, how many times in our own churches are we more concerned about the pomp and circumstance than we really are about serving and honor and glorifying and worshiping Christ or God and who he is? We dress the way we dress. We talk the way we talk. We got it down pat, when to stand, when to sit, how to do. all. But in the the long run, what we really need to understand is God is not concerned about the, the words that come out of our mouth. He's more concerned about what's on the altar of our heart. It's a heart issue. And what he's trying to get them to see is, hey, you're so wrapped up in pleasing men that you forget about pleasing me. And ultimately, it's always about, no matter who you are, from pastor to member to whatever whatever you do, it's all about pleasing him. And if I please him, if you, listen, you've heard me say this many times, if we please God, we'll take care of everybody else. If I am serving God, and pleasing God, then guess what? I'll be able to take, take care of the things that are issues in your life. But when I don't do that, when I'm not pleasing God, when I'm not serving God, when I'm not doing that right, then that's when we have a problem. And as it is with me, so it is with you. If you are in a house, you're married, you got children, you got a job, all these things. If you serve God first, put him as the head of your life, all these other things. What did he say? All these other things will what? Be added unto you. First thing. Take care of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't worry about what people say. Don't worry how they might react because if you do right, if you're doing right, God will honor that. And ultimately, God was going to honor Christ because you remember we read earlier right in chapter 5 where because Jesus had, uh, had healed on the Sabbath day, that started the process of many of them trying to figure out how they were going to get rid of him. This really started the road for them plotting and scheming on how to kill Jesus. And it's interesting. I'll make this point now and bring it out maybe a little later on. But isn't it interesting? The same law that they're talking about in this chapter is the same law that they used to condemn Jesus. They used the law to their own advantage. Ultimately, when they went before Pilate and they went before Herod, they said, This man breaks our own law. And because of that, he needs to be crucified. They turned the word of God around to the wrong way to crucify he who is really the what? The word personified. Because in John chapter 1, what did he say? In the beginning was what? The word. And the word was with God. And on and on he went. So Christ is the embodiment of the word. So here you got Here you have it. He says, you know what? Uh, I don't receive glory from people. mm you know why? Because we're really fickle. One Sunday we could be hot. Next Sunday we could be what? Cold. We're hot to now, but by the time we get home, somebody say something, somebody do something, and then all of a sudden, our joy. Isn't it amazing how it's so easy for our joy to be taken away? You could say, man, you know, we didn't have all the music together, but man, we had a great service. You walk home, you get into the house, and somebody either says something or didn't do something or whatever, and all of a sudden, be I mean, out of nowhere. It's like the devil just sits over on our shoulders. And you find yourself saying and doing things that you would have never thought you would do because 10 minutes ago you were like, thank you, Jesus. Isn't it great? Day. It's beautiful outside. And, and somebody does something. And you it's easy. That's why that's why we need to be on our guard. Do not, saints. Do not, beloved, allow the devil to steal your joy. Amen. He's been defeated. He's just trying to drag you down with him. And I, I, I would have the mindset, you know what? There was that old song we talked about, "Hit the Road, Jack." Don't you come back? You just need to tell them, "Get, get behind me, Satan." Just, you know what? And, and and here's the thing: the devil works with sometimes the people that are right around us. Our wife, our husbands, our kids, our outlaws, and our in-laws. Don't let them take, don't let them take that. He says, don't, don't, don't worry about the reception of people. Because sometimes when you take a stand for God and for Christ in your own home, people won't like it. They, will, they won't understand, why are you being this way? Why are you doing it? Well, you know what? I'm not doing it just to be doing it. I'm doing it because I believe what the Word of God says. And I've got to stand for that which is right, even though it goes totally opposite of one of the very people you might love the most. They need to hear that from you. And that that, that, will be able to let them know that, you know what, he's serious about this thing. He ain't playing. He said, I don't worry about the glory of people. He says, but I know that you do not love the God within you. We are to love the Lord God with all our soul, might, and heart. Amen. In in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your might. Everything about us ought to be to to have love for God. God does not compartmentalize our life. He wants all of you, every single fiber of who you are. He doesn't want Sunday to have you and then Monday through Friday you do your own thing. No, he wants the whole week. And what he says is, you shall love your God with all, underline that, all your heart, and with all your soul. Again, all your heart, all your soul, and with all your might. Everything about you is to be about showing and having and possessing the love of God. Everything. Somebody says, is that it? You mean everything? I mean everything. Why do you wear what you wear? Why do you do what you say? Why are the words that come out of your mouth? Why do you travel here? Why do you go there? Every, God wants it all. Bathe it all. Say, Lord, I'm getting ready to do this. Okay. Did you bathe it in prayer? Is this, a, is this what you want to do or is this what I want you to do? And see, so we don't approach life like that. Very few of us do that. We just live life on a whim. We just live life as it happens. That feel, oh, I think I want that, and then we just go do it. Or I want to. And then after we do it, then if it doesn't work out, then we go, oh God, what have I done? Lord Jesus. What have I? Well, that's kind of late in the ballgame. Put it first before him. He says, You don't really love me. And they did not really love him. And to him, he's talking about is God. The Old Testament scriptures, with all, listen, with all that God did for them, how did they miss it? How could they miss it? He delivered them. He blessed them. He walked them through the wilderness. All the things that God blessed his people, the nation of Israel, how in the world have they missed it? How did they miss it? They missed it the same way you and I miss it. What has God done for you? Look what God has done for you. Don't worry about your neighbor. Just close your eyes for a moment and think about what the Lord has done for you and how fickle you and I are. How inconsistent you and I are. You don't need to ask the question how they miss it. You need to ask the question how you and I miss it. They miss it because of our human nature. He says, you don't have the love of God within you. He says, now let me me tell you something. If I come in my Father's name, and he did. If I come in my Father's name and you do not receive me, if another comes in his own name, you will receive him. He came to his own. And what? His own received him not. And Jesus let, let us know all throughout the scripture. He says, listen, I am the light of the world. But what's the problem? Men love darkness rather than what? Light. The, the proclivity of man is not to be drawn to the Savior, but to be drawn to our own selves. That's, that's, that's who we are. Don't, don't make the mistake that you think people are basically good because we're not good. We're evil. We're bad. There is no good in man whatsoever. Somebody says, but people do good things. That's not the point. Doing good things does not get you anywhere. You ought to be doing good things just because it's the right thing to do. But doing good things does not buy you a ticket into heaven. What gets you into heaven is a changed nature in Jesus Christ. And we got this thing bent. We think people are basically good. No, we are not. In the eyes of God, we are wretched. We are dirty. We are filthy. There is none righteous. No, there is none that seeketh after God. Our natural proclivity is we draw away from God rather than draw to God. That's just who we are by nature. That's why the miracle of the new birth is so great. What did Nicodemus do when he came to Jesus by night? He recognized one thing. He, told, he said to Jesus, guess what? I know that you're a man from God because of the things that you do. I recognize who you are by what you have done. That's what we need to do. What, we need to recognize who Christ is by the things that he has done and is doing, even if it's in your or my own life. That speaks of who he is. And then Jesus said, okay, let me explain this to you. You must be not you could or might, you must, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Saints, beloved, I'm telling you and I, we must be born again. Have to be. You have to be born from, and that a born again means being born from above. God has to work a work of grace in your heart heart and in your mind that changes you from the old way to the new way. And without that, you are lost, a sinner, and on your way to hell. It's a change, a changed mind. And the problem we have today is we're saying, I think. No, you need to know that the Lord has changed you. You need to know that he has worked in your heart and on your mind to say, Lord, it's no longer my will, but your will be done. And guess what? In our life, sometimes the cross we have to bear is a heavy thing to, t- a heavy thing to bear. Don't take lightly because coming to Jesus is going to be a picnic because it's not. What's the cross that you have to bear? What is it that's in your life that you know and I know that's not right that we have to say, Lord, I, 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 I know what I need to do. I know what I ought to do. I know what you want me to do. But the price you're asking me to pay is too great. Amen? Amen? But if that's what he wants you to do, guess what? He'll give you the strength to carry whatever it is that makes up that cross. And that could be anything, a whole lot of things. You know, I think about those of those who... Who have who have to take care of loved ones and stuff? That's a that's a heavy that's a heavy responsibility. It's not an easy thing. Some of you have done it before in your own, in your in your life, where you've had loved ones or, or people in your life that were sick and or the declining years, and you had to take care of them. That's not an easy thing, because you have to take the cross that you have to bear is you've got to watch the process, and also you've got to be able to to this for lack of a better word, put up with some of the craziness that goes on. And there is some craziness. And it worries on people. I watched my mother when she went to Texas to, to take care of her mother. And she came back and she was grayer and, and just physically, you could just sense she was drained. That's a heavy thing. That's just one example. Maybe it's having somebody in their family or somebody, a child or, or a husband, wife, whoever, that is wayward. They're out there. And you're trying to do everything you can to bring them back. And there's no semblance if they have any sense of wanting to do the right thing. That's a cross. Your love for them to be here or do the right thing, and yet you're watching them do everything just the opposite. But you got to believe that you can't change them. You can't make them. Only God can. And you got to get to the point in your life you say, you know what, Lord? The old timers say, I take it to the Lord, and I'm just going to what? Leave it there. Because my arguing with them, my trying to persuade them, my trying to do this, whatever, it ain't working. So... I can't do it, but I trust that you will be able to do it amen and God and guess what God is able amen what did pastor what did dr white tell us God is what faithful and what easier said than done I am so what's the word I want i I think we say stuff just God is faithful you can trust well yeah, but when it comes time for me and you to understand he is faithful, and for me and you to understand he that we can trust him, that's a whole other issue. We can say the words, but when life meets us on the street and we have to say to ourselves, I don't know how he's going to be faithful, but and I don't even know right now, I really don't want to trust him, but God, you are faithful? Okay, let me, I got to think through this part of it. All that stuff, talk, that's a whole other story. That's why I, I don't think sometimes we, we understand what we're really saying. You know, I love the Lord. Well, guess what? You have to love him all the time, not part time. Even when life isn't going the way you want, do you still love the Lord? When he knocks on your door with something that's in your life, do you still love him? It's easy to love when things are going good, but when the tide shifts, that's when everything turns the other way. The miracles. Has Jesus worked a miracle in your life? What has he done miraculously for you? I know what he's done for me. He saved me. He's caused me from going to heaven from hell, to now I'm going to heaven. I am now seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. When the bad things happen in my life, and there are bad things that happen in my life, but when they happen, I have him. To help me through. I don't understand how anybody makes it without the Lord. I don't know how you do it. I, I, I really don't. How, how do you make it in this life if all you know is your own self-existence? You are the final authority. You're the final one. I wrote a little note that down when I was looking at something. One of the authors said, what stands in our way? Self-glory, glory for self, love of self, and self, our own selves become the final authority on Everything. He says, glorify yourself, love yourself. Be the final authority and go to hell. That's how it works. Or, or, seek the glory of Christ. Love God. Believe the scripture. Go to heaven. Which one do you want? Self-glory? Glorify yourself? The love for your And we live in a culture, society, that we love ourselves. This stuff with the, with the social media and Instagram and Facebook, people are all the time walking around taking pictures of themselves, posting it on what they do. Guess what? This morning I had, if I, was, if I was thinking Sister Secret, we could have said, we could have did a little selfie thing, me and you and Sheila and others of us. We could have snapshot our little muffins this morning and told everybody in the community, we had some little muffins that were really delicious, but in the scheme of life, who really cares? You know, if you're hungry, you might care, but if you're not hungry, you really don't care. You know, this later on this afternoon, I could just see it now. David and Sister Penny them dinner or whatever, and David says, let's put, let's put, let's take a picture of our dinner, David, <laughs> and let's take me and you sitting at the table. Can you imagine? In the scheme of life, who really cares? But there are people that, that that's their whole existence. That that I mean they they 24 seven. You wonder how they do anything else because they're always you're always saying post and I guess what I found out that there are people who post even while church goes on oh, don't take a deep breath it happens so how do you know because when they post it, they post the time of the time that they posted it and sometimes the time is right during morning worship and I'm like well they got time to do that I don't expect them to have a time to raise their hands and glorify God amen he says, ah, he says, but if I come, that's what, you know what? Bottom line is what Jesus is trying to say is, look, if somebody else comes, to, comes, you're going to believe him. We would rather be everything, anybody and everybody but Jesus. He says, by the way, if somebody else comes in his own name, oh, you'll receive him. And we have, and we do. Jesus came and people, we killed him because we didn't want to hear the message that he was trying to say. He said, by the way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't come to the Father but by me. And that's not what we wanted to hear. But there's got to be another way. No, there's only one way. And they, did, they couldn't receive it. They did not want to believe that he was the Son of God. He says, how can, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from God, from only God? You don't believe, you don't believe in who I am. That's why I had to spend Trying to tell you, John the Baptist talked about me, the scriptures talked about me, the miracles I did talk about me, and guess what? You still do not believe. Don't be hard on those people. Look at ourselves. Do we really believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do we really? And then he, then he closes this out by, by saying, okay, I'm gonna bring up somebody that, guess what, you're, you're going to be able to know about. Moses. The guy, the prophet that you raise up so, the one that you talk about so much. Moses. He says, by the way, just, just, just so you know, he says, do not think that I will accuse you to my father. Jesus didn't come to accuse us. He came to be our savior. He came into the world to save us from our what? From our sins. Not to accuse us, but to save us. He says, do not think I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. You put all your hopes on Moses and what Moses wrote, which was the Old Testament. And guess what? By his words, you're going to be accused and condemned. He says, "For if you believe Moses. Well, wait a minute. You're raising up Moses. You talk about Moses. Now, if you would have believed Moses, guess what? You would have believed me. Why? For he wrote of me, but if you do not believe His writings, you won't believe my words. No, no, you talk about Moses, you, raise up, you talk about the Old Testament, the, the law, the what he wrote in Pentateuch and all that. You raise that all up. You spent all kind of time searching the scriptures, looking at the scriptures, counting the number of words, every jot, every. T- you did all that, and guess what? Even though you did that, you missed the God of the Word. That's why it's not impressive to say, I study and know my Bible. That's good. But do you know and do I know the God of the Word? Not just the Word of God, but the God who wrote it. Because if you and I know the God of the Word, our lives would be so much better. Because in Him, we have life. And we have life more abundantly. You and I cannot approach the study of this Bible And not have our lives changed. I hear many times in our conversations in church around here. I hear many things, times people say, face to the degree that, you know, just coming to church, I have been made different. I hear hear the conversation. I know, I know what it's like to be the people who just every now and then come. I I get, because I was out there once. I get that. But I don't buy that. That's the sole total, total, total sum of who we are. You know why? Because for some of you who say that, you're now different. Okay? But what made the difference in your life? Here's the key. You may be a Sunday morning glory. and well, We don't even have those anymore. I mean, there was a time. And I, My theory, we proved out this coming next week, next week's Mother's Day. There was a time, there was a time, whether you were part of church or not, there was a time that people would come just because Mama was in church. Out of respect to mom. They didn't go to church. They did care less about church. But they knew that on this day, Mother's Day, they would mm, make their way. Used to be a time, Easter was another occasion. People would come to church, Easter just Because it was Easter. Around Christmas time, people would come. You know what? People don't do that anymore. I've watched it. It's not scientific proof. I ain't got no facts and figures, but I've watched it. Less and less are people coming to church. There was a time Mother's Day, church be packed. Uh, We'll find out next week how packed we will be. I don't think it's going to be standing in the room only. Because people have gotten away from that. God and the things of God don't mean much to people anymore. And what's happened is we forgot that it's about serving him. Jesus' indictment to the Jewish leaders was, you have all these things, you have scripture, you have what I've done, and you still do not believe. Our belief is not in the fact, in, in the actual knowledge of certain things. Our belief comes in how it acts out in our life. The fruit of your life, the fruit of my life is what we do with what we believe. Because many of us will say, many of you will tell me, a lot of people believe. That's fine. But what do they believe in? And who do they believe in? And the thing that changed you, that changed me was, we have to make ourselves available to the teaching of the word. As long as these individuals that we love and so much care about are on the outside, And they never make an attempt to come to Bible school. They never make an attempt to come to Wednesday night. They never make an attempt to come to Sunday morning. They will always be where they are, on the outside. I'm not talking about their salvation. I'm talking about that they are on the outside because they have not did the one thing that you do on a consistent basis. What's that, pastor? You make yourself available to the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. That's what's changed you. And if it changed you, that's what's going to change some of our loved ones. They've got to come to hear the word. For without hearing and being taught the word, you will never change. Amen? That's it. They'll always be lost in their sincerity. And I know some people say, well, it don't take all that. Yes, it does. I was telling somebody, I was talking with a brother yesterday. I said, you know what gets me in real big trouble with this community? Is the fact that my preaching comes across that I hold us accountable. That is the biggest problem a lot of people have with me. You really expect us to be there. Yes, I do, but more important, God does too. I mean, you really expect, yes. Ain't nobody, listen, work all day, do what you, and if you got from seven to eight to be here, be here. Yes, that's what I that, that's what I expect. You know why? I've done it. Others of you have done it. Unless I'll, I'll do you like I used to do my kid. Unless blood's flowing from your eyes and out of your ears and all that stuff, there really isn't a, a whole lot of excuse for not being here. Now, don't go to, don't do what you all like to do with me. But what if? No, I ain't talking about if you work. At, at your work at 7 15. night, I ain't about that. But if you're off and you got time to be here, your little buns ought to be sitting in one of those little chairs over there in the fellowship hall. That's the expectation. And I'm not asking of any of us any more than I did and some others have did in their life. Because ain't nobody can be more tired than any, any one of us. How many have been tired night and yet made it to the house? Amen! Guess what? The joy comes when you get here. You're Uh, I'm sorry, I'm so tired. I'm wore out. Well, come sit your behind down, hear about being a part of the church and what churchianity is about. Listen to people around you talk. All of a sudden, you get energized. You go, man, this was good. I'm so happy. Why? Because you did not buy into the lie that the devil was telling you. The devil's going to tell you, you're tired, stay home. The devil's going to tell you, it don't take all that. The devil will tell you, I got it. I don't need no more teaching training. I got this. No. They thought they had it. They had the scriptures. They had Moses. And they still missed it. Amen? Amen. Can I close with this real quick? And we'll get to the Lord's Supper. It is. It is lack of will to come to Christ for salvation that will be found at last. To have shut the many out of heaven. Our our lack of will is what shuts us out. We don't have a will, a mind, to serve, to do. It's our lack of will. It's the lack of will to come to Christ for salvation that will be found at last to have shut the many out of heaven. It is not men's sins. You don't know how bad I am, Pastor. Don't need to know. Don't want to know. Don't really care to know. Why? Because God knows about all of us. All manner of sin may be forgiven. You have not done anything that's beyond the saving grace of God. It is not any decree of God. We are not told in the Bible of any whom God has only created to be destroyed. It is not any limit in Christ's work of redemption. What he did, he did, our redemption is full, paid in full. Stamp. You get a bill and you pay it all off, and you give it a thing that says paid in full. Guess what he did. He has paid a price sufficient for all mankind. Everything he did for your salvation and mine is all sufficient. There's nothing else you can do for it. He paid it up. It's signed, sealed, delivered. It is something far more than this. It is man's own innate unwillingness to come to Christ, repent, and believe, either, either from pride or laziness or love of sin, ...or love of the world, the many have no mind or wish or heart or desire to seek life in Christ. God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. But men stand still and will not stir hand or foot to get life. And this is the whole reason why many... Of the lost are not saved. People don't have a will to want to be saved. I know you don't like that. That's what it is. The reason why we have lost ones in our families and lost ones around us is because they have no will or desire to want to be saved. What do you do with that? You have to give it to the Lord. Because you can't change that. They have to have a will to say there's a better way of living than of how I'm living right now. And when I came to that realization, that's why I came down and asked the Lord to save me. My will finally had to submit to His will. And guess what? If you're saved today and here this morning, it's because your will has been changed by the working of Christ. He's forgiven you of everything you've ever done. He's forgiven you for what you're doing right now, and He will forgive you for what you'll be doing in the future. Amen? That's the power of God. You you, you can get up from your seat right now and say, you know what? I know I am messed up, but thanks be to God that he has changed me. What's the song? A change? A change. A change has what? Come over me. I pray that change is happening in your life. I pray that change is happening in our life. And I pray that change will be ongoing in our life. If you can look back on yourself and your walk with the Lord and understand that you and I have not progressed beyond where we were back to the day we came down the aisle, that's a problem with your birth because we ought to be growing. Now, I'm not saying we had to take a giant step, but we ought to be able to take a little baby step, you know, every now and then. And you know what? When I over the course of my life, I, I have grown a little bit. I mean, Jesus, I used to have a problem with my tongue. Every now and then, I still have a problem with my tongue, but it's not as bad as it used to be. I used to have a, like we I used to have a critical spirit, but I ain't got to, Well, you know, people in mean, What she got on today? What's she wearing? You know. Well, no, you know, I'm, I'm able to handle people a little bit better. My mouth doesn't shoot off like it used to. That little thing that I used to put in my mouth—it doesn't have a big draw on me. See, people, we worry about that. You know, I, I, I drink beer, or I drink whatever, or I drink cigarette. That's that is a symptom. That's not the main thing. It's a symptom of our sin. I up You smoke. You smoke. I'm just gonna tell you, it's not good for you. Your body's to be the temple of God. But in the end, you got to you and the Lord got to work that out. Say, I like pastor. I like to take a little something, something every now and then. I like to drink something. Well. That's between you and the Lord. I ain't trying to tell, I ain't trying to come change you from. But he wants. He wants to change you. The problem is when whatever we have has more control of us than we have of it. Those are you can see that. But with a critical spirit, an unloving heart, an indifferent attitude, I could care less. All, we can't see that. That's sin too. That's why he said all have sin, and the sin it covers all kind of stuff. Amen. If you saw me in Kroger's buying a nice bottle of wine, some of you be, my God. I was at Kroger's the other day and I saw a Pastor buying a bottle of. But when you buy it, when you buy it, huh? Nobody says anything. What's well, good for the goose? It's good for the gander. Well, somebody says, well, does that mean that both are wrong? Well, I'm not going to say wrong or right, but you, you can't put somebody else above the standard that you're willing to maintain yourself. Say, Pastor, you, well, wait a minute. We all are in this thing together. And his indictment is, I am. I am the Son of God. You don't believe it. Now, if you read the Synoptic Gospels, that gives you a, a, it's a graph that shows you the miracles the thing that happens chronologically the thing that they accused Jesus of of healing on the sabbath guess what he does next he heals on the sabbath the thing that they were condemning him in chapter 5 he turns right around not in John but in Matthew after he did this miracle after he did this he turns right around and they're giving him hell for all this he turns right around and says okay guess what i'm doing it again Put it right back in their face. Now, next, next time we get in John chapter 6, you got the big miracle. Feeding of 5,000. We're hungry. Where are we going to get food? We got five loaves and two fishes. Fed over 5,000. At least a minimum, maybe 15, 20. Wouldn't you love to have that, ladies and gentlemen? Go home, look in your cupboard. We only got a little meal, a little... No, no, we're gonna eat like a Thanksgiving spread. Amen. Yeah. Is not God good? Yeah. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We have the testimony. We have the witness of John the Baptist. We have the witness of the Scriptures. We have the witness of what you did. We even have the witness of the miracle of new birth of being changed being born again in our own life and seemingly we still miss the point that you're able you are the one that works grace in i could work my fingers to the nub it's not by my work it's by what you have already done the reason why i could serve you the reason why i should worship you is because of what you did for me I don't come to church because I have to. I don't come to church because I'm worried about what people might say. I come because I'm thankful that you have watched over me and mine and other friends of mine and, and blessed other people in my life. You have blessed, and I cannot help but come to simply say, thank you. In spite of my sin, in spite of my lack of commitment, in spite of all things that I don't do right, you love me enough that you allow me one more opportunity to raise my hand, to sing my song, to be able to say a word. I don't deserve it, but you have giving it to me anyway. And not just me, but everybody in this room. Thank you for blessing us above and beyond what we deserve or could even think of. Thank you for the power of the gospel to change sinners such as us.